Welcome, everybody, to episode 24 of the Dream Team Podcast. I am your host, as always, Jake Schultz, and join with me, hopefully, on a better recording device than Discord, Zolfi Shake. What's up, what's up? Spencer Kloss. We're doing Kobe numbers, boys. And Daniel okay. Ramos. True. Hey, what's up? You almost almost jumped your intro right there, Dan. I know. I was so ready for it. I just jumped on it. I was right about my prediction, though. On one pod, off the other. I'm happy to have you here. It's good to see you. How you been? Good, man. How are you? Good, good, good. Busy, man. We're bu- busy lives right now in general. All of us. Working men right now. Who would have thought? Not me. No. Definitely uh, not me. Nah, no, yeah. No, we all are doing our internships now, so we're all very busy. It's good stuff. Very proud we of us. We won't be. We won't be a daily. Very proud pod, of us. Also, people want to sponsor us. We like money. We'll take more. Money. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was, what, what was that going? I was waiting for that to go somewhere. I don't know. I was. I, I stopped talking. Yeah, but I was going to say I, I, that I, we're not going to be a daily pod, but we'll still get our NBA thoughts out there. Exactly. Yeah, and I was going to say, stuff. if you want to sponsor us, go for it. We're open for sponsors. Someone hit us up, please. Anyone. go. We have inquiries on our link tree. If you want to come and follow us and hit us a thought up, why not? Zolfi's always free to chat. Yeah, man. I will do ad reads galore, and I will make them so awkward but funny. And maybe you'll get, as Dan would say, two people who click those ads and buy something. But that's two more people than you had before. So give us your money. We'll gladly take so it and true, read your man. stuff. I couldn't say it any better myself. Why don't we hop into week two of the NBA before it gets even more awkward, like Zolfi said, and talk about the Raptors, because it's been a bit of a quiet week for the Toronto Raptors. Not a lot of games clean played after they had a crazy start to the season, just games back and forth, so much so that they had a double back-to-back night against Philly. They played them twice on the back end of a half-to-half. Whoever scheduled that, oh my god. Anyways... They had a loss to Philadelphia once again before looking like they were going to have another loss to San Antonio before one Mr. Scott Barn helped and lead Toronto to a 22-point comeback win in overtime. I know it's been a while since that game. It feels like a while at least. That was on Sunday. Today is Wednesday at the time of recording. But I want to get everyone's thoughts on the Raptors' second week after... We talked a bit about, about, about up and down week one, just kind of what we're thinking, how we're feeling. Three and four record as they go to face the Mavs tonight in Dallas. Zolfi, I'll start with you. Scotty Barnes, Jake, no one else listening to this podcast can see this because it's audio, but I bow down. I will gladly admit I was wrong about the Scotty Barnes leap. I knew it was coming. I didn't think it would be that much of a leap. And this game was a complete personification of that. Just the numbers are staggering. The Raptors scored 35 points at halftime. And they finished with like 123. They had like 88 points after halftime, which is, first of all, indicates how up and down this Raptors offense is. But that entire fourth quarter in overtime was all Scotty Barnes. That offensive rebound he got backed in Jeremy Sohan and just put him into the basket. The inbound steal he had at the end of regulation. And then obviously the step back three he had to get the game back within reach. Uh, at, at one point, he thought they were down four, but they're actually down three. 
And if you actually listen to the Raptors show, it's so funny what he's, uh, what uh, Dennis Schroeder said about uh, Scotty Barnes when he was in that huddle. Darko's trying to run up a play to get Scotty inside the paint to drive. And he's like, why don't I just step back three it? And then he goes and step backs threes it. And he actually makes this thing. Like Scotty Barnes is just showing so much confidence and he is showing what this Raptors team can be when it's built around him. And I'm sure we're going to get into the conversation about their other star player and Pascal Siakam and what his role has been so far. But you saw the lineup with Scotty, OG, and then a bunch of other shooters slash mover playmaker guys and how much success it brought them in that second half, especially making that comeback. And I think it's just a, it's an indicator of what's to come. I, I don't want to say it's a changing of the guard, but it's almost like a, a pitcher into the future. You saw it with Scotty Barnes in that game there. So I don't know what it means for them this season, but at least in the future, you know, if you build this roster around Scotty, you can see what it looks like. Yeah, I just have to jump in and say that as someone who was expecting a big Scotty Barnes leap, the shooting has just been like something that I wasn't expecting. I was expecting the more post touches and like just kind of bully people. Um, but he's been such a good shooter. And uh, I have to also shout out Dennis Schroeder, rhymes with shooter. And wow, uh, Mr. One. OG Ananobi. Yeah, you like that, Jake? Yeah, wow. Um, that was tremendous stuff. And I just got to add in my bold prediction. The Raps are winning tonight. In Dallas, it's happening. Okay. okay, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. We are winning because Scotty Barnes is best player in the world, and I don't think that's debatable. Uh, yeah, I'd also like to apologize uh, for uh, roasting you guys, saying he was going to be an All Star this year. Uh, well, we don't know if he's going to be All Star yet, but he's playing like one. He is playing like one. And similar to Zolfi, I did expect a jump, but not like this. You know, he gave. You know, he's giving you the points jump. His shooting looks for real. Just what a baller. Every Raptors fan should be ecstatic watching them play. And it really just points to a really bright future for him and the team. So that's mostly what I got to say. I'm really excited to see Scotty versus Wemby in the finals for the next decade. It's going to be really cool. Um, yeah, man. Shout out, Scotty. You know when the last time we saw a player take over to the level of this extent? Kawhi Leonard. You know what his shot form looked like on Sunday against the Spurs? Kawhi Leonard. It was absurd watching the shots that he was getting up. Like, I just in transition on three, he we said that his three-point shot might not be able to be staying this consistent. I might eat those words because he is still shooting at an insane clip right now. And his three-point jump shot looks even better than it has and that we were expecting. You know when the last time Scotty also has scored under 20 points? The home opener. He has not scored under 21 points since then. He's on a tear. And I'm so happy to have been right about something on this podcast. Scotty Barnes is going to be an all-star. And I can't believe I called that. <laughs> in fairness, like, I think absolutely yeah. you can, you take credit because saying Scotty Barnes an all-star was a great call by you. Of but course, guess, I'm going like, to take credit. I'm yeah, me. But like, to the point of like me and Dan, I don't think anyone expected it to come at the expense of Pascal Siakam which is kind of what has happened, to be quite honest, because uh, Spencer said this. 
like with Fred Van Vliet going away, there's going to be more touches to go around. But I think we all underestimated how much this offense was going to change Pascal's role and also how much it was going to elevate a guy like Dennis Schroeder. Because those touches that basically came back into this offense after Fred left didn't get spread out. They basically just went to ten- Dennis Schroeder. He is like the, he's leading the Raptors in touches. The next closest person is Scotty. And the next person after that is Pascal, but he has like 65 touches so far compared to like the 80 plus that these two have. So this offense has like fundamentally changed Pascal's role. And I'm not saying it can't be good because the numbers do say when Pascal, Scotty and OG are on together, it's still positive. But when they're on in separate stints, the only positive real like uh, combination there is Scotty and OG. The Scotty Pascal or the Pascal OG combinations don't seem to be really working that well. So Pascal's role is up in the air, if you ask me. So I'm curious what you guys think, like what this means for the offense, what this means for Pascal. It's obviously only seven games in and tonight eight, but like, is there overreaction there? Is this something you think they're, they're going to just have to work through? Because obviously this offense needs time to develop. We said that earlier on, but if we're looking at the bright spot in the Scotty role, then you have to look at the other side too of the, the Pascal role and like, really what's going on there? Dan, Pascal's your boy. I'm going to let you speak on this. Uh, Yeah. Um, I mean, like you said, it is early, but we have been talking about Pascal and what his future with with the Raptors is going to be for a while now. Uh, Even Media Day, I think, was a really big hint at what they were planning. Um, But, like, you know, his usage rate is down to, like, 18.1% right now. Uh, That's the same as guys like Duncan Robinson, Jalen Suggs, and Tobias Harris. Uh, This is an all-NBA-level talent we're talking about. And I'm not saying that he hasn't like had moments where he's been bad. He's definitely had moments that have not been great, um, but he's also not being set up for success. Um, if that means trading that for Scotty's jump, you know, Pascal's been one of my favorite players to watch for a long time now. But I'd be willing to make that trade. Um, but it's it, it's it's unfortunate because I think Pascal has a lot to offer, and I do think he can work with Scotty. It's just right now, it's uh, like you said, his role has shifted so much, and that's going to take some time to adjust to. And I just don't know if even if the front office is willing to give him that time, you know? I mean, this is the Raptors we're talking about, though. The, taking all the time in the world is kind of what this front office does, which is why it's a part of the reason why we like the front office, because it takes time to evaluate. But is it time? Like, is it time to finally move on from Pascal Siakam? Or are we ready to just hand the keys to Scotty Barnes? Because clearly he is that guy. But I don't know if they're going to want to just give Siakam up away. Like now, like, say, okay, bye. Thanks for everything you did. Like, there is time for them to grow together and to see what happens with the two of them. Well, I mean, uh, like right now, his, va- his value is probably at an all-time low. Uh, sure. I mean, at the end of the day, front offices still know what he's capable of. So, like, how much his value is hurt... I'm sure it's not like a crazy amount, but it, it has been hurt a little bit. You're not going to get as much as you could if you traded him last year or something. But also uh, at the same rate, don't you think that Siakam kind of earns the benefit of the doubt? Like players yeah, go through up and downs. Yeah, that, that's why I was saying that. Go ahead, go ahead, Zolfi. No, sorry. I was going to say like he does earn a bit of the benefit of the doubt. But when you said Jake, this front office is known to be patient. They are. But there's also an expiration date to that, which is free agency coming up. And you're going to have to decide at some point, are you willing to pay him? And based on his resume, he's going to get close to max value, if not just to max. And if he makes an All-NBA, which it doesn't look like he's going to, he's going to be eligible for a Supermax, which is going to be exponentially like more money. 
And that's like, do you pay a guy exponentially more money to not even be like a 1B, but to be quite realistic, if these numbers keep up, and we don't know if they will, this is basically what Scotty's role was last year. It's not like Pascal's numbers and production have regressed slightly and he's struggling a little bit with it. No, they are like like much, much lower. They're basically flipped with what Scotty's stats were from last year after this race. True shooting is down to like 42%. And the, 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 the numbers that stand out to me the most are... Obviously, his three-point shooting has jumped up a bit and it looks solid, but his game is predicated on going inside, finishing around the hoop, and his two-point attempts and his two-point percentages are so low. It would be his worst two-point percentage for his career if they kept up at this rate, and his attempts from two are the lowest since his like rookie season or the year after that. So once he finally became a full-time starter when he won that MIP, it's lower than that. So that just shows how uncomfortable he is in this offense. He isn't getting the same looks, the opportunities, like Dan said, it's not being run around him. So... For a guy who, if that keeps up, are you really willing to pay like 30 plus percent of the cap to? That's a hard pill to swallow, especially if this kind of production keeps up. So I think there's just like, there's a t- I don't I don't want to be drastic and say it's a ticking time bomb. But really, it's like tick, tick, tick. The, the longer you go, the the less time you have to make this decision. And the, the end of the tunnel is a really drastic thing about to happen. Either you pay this guy in a, a lot of money for a role that may or may not work, or you let him walk for nothing. And then who knows how that's going to go. I also think, like, if we really believe in this Scotty jump, which I think most people do, build the team around him. Like, his best lineups have been when he's been around shooters and ball handlers. You can absolutely get great pieces to fill those needs around Scotty if you trade Pascal. Current teams that would offer that, I'm not too sure. I haven't actually thought about it as much as I should have. I'm sure you guys have, though, if you have any ideas. But... Uh, just surrounding Scotty with that, Pascal's the easy solution to get those things and make it happen, you know? Um, so it, it is what it is kind of thing, you know? And just, I hope, I hope things improve with him, but I don't know if they will. It's made me think a little bit, like, is, is Pascal just too heavy, like an ISO dependent player, like for this offense? Because it just seems like a lot of his best production like throughout his career has come like when he's really been given the keys and just been an ISO guy. So I just wonder what you guys think, because I was starting to think about that more this week. Like For this new offense and like how much the ball's moving, is his like ISO play just kill the offense too much, and that's why maybe he's just getting less opportunities? I don't know. I think it's just the transition from the Nurse era to the Darko era, because some of his best basketball was in that MIP season when the Raptors made their postseason run. And he didn't have the ball in his hands the entire time. That was Kawhi Leonard. A lot of his production came off the ball. So, like, we've seen it happen before. I think it's literally just an adjustment period. And the difference is now he's an expiring contract, and we've seen him be an all-NBA-level talent. At that time, he wasn't. But it is. It's a weird, different transition period. And what kind of going back to what you said, Dan, teams that I think would make an offer, I think we're going to get some a little bit later. But what about a struggling team like the Kings? Why don't the Kings make a call and see what it takes for Pascal Siakam to come? Because their offense, which was ranked first last year in so many different facets, has seemingly sputtered. And what better to brain Siakam in? Also, granted, I know De'Aaron Fox is hurt. Okay, don't come at me for that. I know he's hurt, and that's a big part of his offense. But why not see what Siakam has to offer for a team like that? They have the pieces, certainly, to send back. Keegan Murray? I would gladly take Keegan Murray for Pascal Siakam. What do you guys think about that? I don't think they do it, but it'd be great to get pieces. I just don't think they do it because I I also think a front court of Pascal and Sabonis is a little too uh, uh, weak uh, on the defensive side. 
Um, and I also just don't think that's what they're looking for if they do make a trade, personally. But I would absolutely take Keegan Murray in a heartbeat if uh, if I could. I love Keegan Murray. Yeah, they're they're a name I would consider as like a trade partner. I I think the the Siakam Sabonis. I think it could work. Sabonis is a is a ball mover and he can space out when he needs to. Versus like in this offense, you see Jakob and Scotty together uh, with. Uh, Pascal and there's not enough space for them at least a bonus you know he can stretch out a bit he can shoot from distance if he needs to he doesn't really but he can if he needs to and it's it has potential another team I see is the Pacers they're probably thinking if they want to get serious or not especially with this offense that right now again their offensive rating is really good they look like one of the better offenses in the league adding a guy in Pascal that can add some depth it would push Bruce Brown's role down uh, maybe to the bench or whatnot, which is, again, just more depth on this team. And they have young pieces that you'd absolutely want around Scotty Barnes. You throw in Andrew Nemhart, I would try to cash that in as soon as possible if they, that trade was available. So I think the Pacers are another option. The Hawks are still in that mix. They're still a uh, middle-of-the-pack team. They're overperforming a little bit right now. And you know they had interest in Scott, uh, in Pascal Siakam, sorry. So they're another team I could see trying to jump back in, especially when the value is lower. And they have like the young assets in a Kobe Bufkin who uh, might have been up in that previous offer that was there. So there, I still think there's a couple of teams out there that'd be willing to trade with the Raptors for it if it was available. It just depends on the price tag. I like the shout of the the Hawks because they're not even playing their young guys. No, you have guys like AJ Griffin and Kobe Bufkin just aren't getting any minutes on that team, and it's very obvious that they want to take the next step to be a contending team. Which ESPN had them ranked number five in their power rankings as well. I kind of wanted to bring that up just to mention that is an asinine rating for this Hawks team. I have no idea where they pulled that out of, but is ESPN this, get better. Is this like Eastern <laughs> Conference power rankings or the whole? League? No, it was the whole league, <laughs> and I had to triple five, check that fifth overall. Fifth overall, I had to triple check this because last week, I'll bring this up, I got NBA Sentled over and over again. And if you go back and re-listen, you can hear there's a couple points where I mention it. And I even got a good Zulfi rant out of that, but the John Morant stuff, the Kawhi Leonard stuff. So needless to say, I blocked that account now. I will not get <laughs> Sentled anymore. Um, but yeah, I, I like both the Kings Pacers and the Hawks as trade designations. I think that they are seemingly all three very similar teams in a very similar situation. Kane's a bit a little bit different, but I think most of them seem like they're serious about trying to get the contending ship. I like I like all those picks. I think well, the, the Hawks the, are the also, main thing sorry, go ahead then. I was gonna say the Hawks are also super interested in Pascal. Like this there's so much smoke around them and Pascal. It's been like that for yeah, like, we knew this over a year so now. Long. So that that'd yeah. be a great can, uh, trade candidate because we know they're interested. I was just going to say, I think the the good thing to get out of this Scotty leap as well in this whole trade situation is that it also clears up what you want out of a trade, I think. Because before it would have been like, it's either you want uh, assets like picks, or do you want young guys to possibly build around Scotty Barnes if he was going to be this centerpiece. But now you know he can be. At least the small sample size we have knows Scotty Barnes can be this franchise cornerstone type player. So now if I'm the Raptors, if I'm the GM and I'm not, uh, I would want to go for young. I want to go for young players. I wouldn't want assets as much. Like draft picks are great, and maybe they can line up with Scotty's timeline. But if Scotty continues this progress, it's accelerating the timeline significantly. Because in a couple of years, he's going to be up for his rookie scale extension, and then he's going to be taking up more of the cap. And you're going to want to have these younger, cheaper players building with him and getting chemistry versus assets that you may or may not pan out on. So 
I think now if you're looking for a trade partner, you want young players coming back in return. So again, the Pacers make sense because they have an Andrew Nemhard. OKC has a lot of guys there that could be a potential like trade partner. If Shea, again, continues to take a leap and they want to start competing, that could be another partner. The, the Kings are a, a good like potential partner, but they have Keegan Murray. If that's not the guy, they don't have many other young pieces. Malik Monk is good, but his timeline is a little different. So that's why I think it, it's nice, at least now, if you're the Raptors and you are trying to look at trades for Pascal, your return hopefully is clearer for you that you just want to focus on younger pieces or younger players rather than draft picks. Um, at least that part is positive in this whole situation. Before we get into our predictions for tonight's games and for the rest of week three for the Raptors, Dan, I want to come to you first because we haven't really heard your thoughts much. You've been ghosting us in the group chat, you know, busy boy. <laughs> so I want to know about what you think about this Raptors team. Aside from Pascal Siakam, yeah, you can be lumped in there and Scotty Barnes, just the team in general, how they've been performing the past two weeks and how you think of them. Uh, Dennis Schroeder is such a good fit on this team. Um I mean, it was, is he leading the league in assists right now, I'm pretty sure, or something like that? He was. Last time I checked, it might have changed, but he... It's probably as changed. A... Sorry? Maybe Tyrese Halliburton now. Yeah, oh, he's yeah, okay. went off the last couple games. Well, and I know top, he was, like, sure. definitely, like, top three. Okay. Um, where was I at? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Schroeder... <laughs> Schroeder is just, like... So such a good fit on this team. He's a really good locker room guy. Uh, he's just got like that like aura around him, you know. Like he just seems like he's really, really good for this team on and off the court. And I just I love the addition. I honestly think he might be our best free agency addition. Uh, like if this can, it's only been seven games. Let me let me let me let me hold off a little bit. I don't if think he, you're if, wrong, Dan. I think he's in the top three already. Like I mean, if this continues the whole season and like he really keeps up this play and also just being this guy for this team, I think he'll easily be the best free agent we've ever signed. Absolutely, uh, because Toronto never signs good free agents. So the fact that we have a good one, it means so much to me, and I'm sure it means so much to all the Raptors fans out there. Uh, so that's one of the mi- biggest takeaways. A um, couple other things. Grady Dick, uh, such a smart player. Um, I mean, I had to do... I mean, remember when we had to do the, the teaser project for uh, Sadu's class? Uh, I had to watch a lot of Grady Dick uh, tape. and I love the deep cut that no one else will understand. Except yeah, that for was us. our teacher. We had to make a teaser trailer for his like video class. And I did it on Grady Dick and Scotty Barnes' dynamic duo. And I had to watch a lot of Grady Dick tape. And I kind of knew coming in that he was like going to be more than just a shooter, but he has absolutely exceeded expectations. He is so smart. He makes the right cuts. His passes are amazing. That pass he made to Scotty in the corner, where he just like whipped it like around, I think it was around Wemby. Like, man, he is such a smart player, and I'm so excited for his future. I think he's going to be such an important piece to this team uh what else auto porter jr uh i wish he could play more games because man he such a great bench piece and i i know we all we all kind of knew that uh because like he literally just came from a championship team and he was a contributing piece we knew we'd have to uh load manage and stuff like that but he like it's easy to forget when someone doesn't play for a full year so seeing him come in and contribute off the bench, uh, I think he's only played two games, but for those two games, he's been such an important piece in those games. Um, 
yeah, I'm trying to think of what else has been sticking. Those are like the three main things that have stuck out to me. Gary's been a little underwhelming. Um, yeah, Jake, you're, you seem a like little you're, okay, a lot underwhelming. Um, Pirtle again, <laughs> Pirtle again. Uh, like I love Pirtle, just just a solid, solid, solid player, just yeah. a solid player. Fundamentally, I don't think maybe. you can say anything else except for Pirtle, except that he's just a solid <laughs> rock of a player. Yeah, when I see Pirtle, I just think of fundamentals. Like if you looked yeah. up fundamentals in the dictionary, Pirtle would be right beside it. Um, so yeah, those are my main takeaways. I'm happy with where we're at, even though we are under 500 at the moment. But I I think we're going to finish over that eventually. Uh, but the main things are Scotty's an all star. Pascal, I'm sad, but it's okay because it's time. Uh, Schroeder, best free agent ever. Grady Dick, so smart. Auto Porter, play more games, man, please. And that's my those are my main takeaways. Okay. Well, how about moving over 500? Looking forward at the rest of the week for the Raptors. They, of course, have the 6-1 Mavs tonight. Luka Doncic and company taking on the Raptors. Again, Saturday, not getting any easier. The 5-1 Celtics, yes, no longer undefeated. They did lose a game, 5-1 Celtics, on Saturday. And then return at home on Monday against the Wizards. So, Spencer, how do you think they're going to fare in these next couple games? Um, I think the public would probably say one win and two losses. Obviously, the win coming against the Wizards. But I'm, I I think they're winning tonight. I don't know why. Um, I felt like this about the Bucks game as well, and they ended up winning it, so... I just feel good. Like I just, it just seems like a spot where they can win. They can hopefully OG can limit Luca a little bit. We can get the ball out of his hands. If Derek Lively doesn't play, he's been so big for the Mavericks and like just you know how much a center sometimes can ruin the Raptors um, on the boards and stuff. So if he doesn't play, that's huge. I think they can steal a win tonight. I don't think they'll beat the Celtics. Uh, I don't know. I always feel like the Celtics are going to beat the Raptors, like with how the last few years have went. So I'm going to go with two and one over the next week. Dan. So we're facing Mavs tonight and Celtics. What's the third team again? Sorry. The Wizards, the the toxic brothers as Zolfi dubbed <clears throat> them last week. All right. So I think we're beating the Mavs tonight. I think we're losing to the Wizards and I think we're blowing out the Celtics. Just because, because okay. it's it's Raptors. Raptors don't make sense. They never make true. sense. That is true. So you always have to bet against what makes sense with the Raptors. So those are my predictions. Zolfi? Uh, I'm going to go with one and two. Again, call me the hater. I say they pick up a dub against the Wizards. Uh, I don't think they beat the Mavericks. I think Derek Lively, if he's starting and he should be, is going to cause a lot of problems for the very slow, immobile uh, Jakob Pertl. And uh, you have OG and Scotty who can probably play defense against Luka and Kyrie relatively well, but they're always a danger to get hot. And Luka's in the MVP conversation right now. So if this offense can do anything, then sure, there's a chance. But that's always uh, a fool's dream with this Raptors team. Uh, and against Boston, I think the Raptors get absolutely decimated. Uh, and Dan, you're right. This team doesn't make sense. But the Celtics are one of two teams that are a top five offense and top five defense. And those teams are the Celtics and the 76ers, who are both very good right now. So the numbers at least make sense there. So I'm expecting the Celtics to continue to be really good. And, yeah, so I think it, I think it's one and two for being realistic. But, hell, this Raptors team could go 3-0, and and we probably wouldn't be too shocked about it. 
Yeah, speaking of 3 and 0, I'm I'm putting my bunny down. I'm hedging my bets. I think this team's going 3 and 0. Call me crazy me, call me a homer. Ooh. I'm going to hear all the takes. I think they're going to go 3 and 0. The Wizards is an easy win. It's at home as well. I'm not worried about that at all. I'm excited to watch the Toxic Brothers live. I think that's going to be a really fun game to see the two of them just huck up shots and not have a care in the world. But I'm really interested with how this Mavericks game is going to go because at the time of recording, this could immediately age like milk the second this podcast is out. But they have a lot of guys on the injury report tonight. Like It's not just Derek Lively. There's other people as well that are questionable to play tonight so that could play into benefit you don't know exactly how that's going to work out and i think that this team matches up very well with that team as well like i don't really think about this i heard this on the raptor show this week that when you think of the top five defensively in general there's not really any holes and i think that they match up very well against a team like luca and Kyrie. Kyrie's questionable as well i do know that one off the top of my head so i think that they're gonna match up really well and i think that they're gonna steal one here the celtics they always play hard regardless of the recent outcomes that have happened they play them close they play them hard every game that they're in except for the one like 30 point blowout they had last year so i think that game is gonna swing a little bit better and i i trust the defense again to give them offense and just be have hell for the Celtics the entire time. And I think that game's going to surprise people. So yeah, I'm going to hedge my bets. And I think they're going to be not just over 500, but they're going to be over 500 by more than you're expecting, Zolfi. So yeah, I am going to call you a hater. Okay. This is the start of the two of us just beefing on this podcast. I'm going to be the positive and you're going to be the negative. I don't know. You're going to be the delusional. I'm going to be the realistic. And I le- I'm going to gladly admit I'm wrong if it happens. But at the end of the day, I'm still being realistic here. Well, I've already gotten you to be gladly wrong about Scotty Barnes. So what's one more added to that table, shall we? Yeah, why not? All right, let's let's move on, shall we, before Zolfi kills me off this podcast to another. Oh, my God. We're going to briefly touch on this because this list is just stupid. Uh, Speaking of ESPN, once again. Top 25s under 25 came out this week based on future potential. Got to put that in quotation marks because that is definitely important here. I don't want to read the whole 25 names on here. I will give you the top 10, though. And then we're going to kind of just talk about how we're feeling about this. Jaron Jackson Jr. at number 10. LaMelo Ball at number 9. Darius Garland at 8. Zion Williamson, 7. Cade Cunningham at 6. John Morant at 5. Tyrese Halliburton at 4. Victor Wembanyama at 3. Which, Alan Williams, I love you. Wembanyama is not that hard to say, okay? Wembanyami? Wembanyami? He he tried his best. Anthony Edwards at number two and Luka Doncic at number one. Daniel, what name sticks out like a sore thumb, not even just in this top ten, in general on this list? Uh, For me, I think uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. is too high. Um, I also had someone else. I was just, oh, uh, I'd have Scotty higher. I wouldn't have him at 15. Um. I also think when you guys know how high I am on Anthony Edwards, right? You know, I've said I think he's going to be an MVP one day. We all are on this podcast. I would still put Wembenyana higher than him. I I would still keep Luca first though. I go Luca, Wembenyana, Edwards as my top three, and I think Halliburton's too high as well. Even though you you drafted Halliburton, I love Halliburton, but top four over names like Jaw, Cade, Zion. Scotty, you know, like, 
<laughs> you know, like he just seems a little too high. I would, I don't know. I'd put him like eighth, ninth, maybe seventh, that range kind of thing. Maybe tenth. I don't know. What do you guys think? I think Wemben Yama should also be second. I definitely agree with you there. Uh, just because of age, right? Like, mm-hmm. he's 19 years old. Anthony Edwards is closer to that 25 threshold. It's not, not like Luka Doncic where he's about to be 25, but he's, I think he's 23 now. He could still be 22. But um, And then I actually think Darius Garland's a bit too high. Um, Lamelo Ball's a bit too high. I know he's flashing and everything, but until I can, until I can see some efficiency... Jaron Jackson's too high. Mobley's too high. Uh, Lamella ball efficiency. What more efficient do you get than clamping Tyrese Halliburton in the last five seconds of a game to beat them? True. That, true. That is one of my favorite moments of the season so far. Tyrese Halliburton going off for 41 points, getting clamped by defensive specialist Lamella ball. <laughs> that is true. But the thing that I'm going to say for Tyrese Halliburton, I think I saw a stat today that he's contributed to like, he's contributing to like 45 of his team's points a game, which is just insane. Um, so I actually, I think he is still a bit too high. When I look at names below him, I just don't like maybe Zion could go up there because of his ceiling, but I don't think anyone below him necessarily deserves to be above him. I think Scotty Barnes is way too low. How high we want to put him? I don't know, but he has to be above Evan, Evan Mobley for sure for me and Boncaro. Um, Boncaro was great in his rookie season, but again, he's not the most efficient player in the world and he, he doesn't look to me like he has the same ceiling as Scotty Barnes, and it could be crazy, but I think this list is just pretty bad. Sangoon's too low. Being below Scoot Henderson is just ridiculous at this point. Are you happy they put Scotty Barnes and Franz Wagner beside each other again? At least Scotty's above them because uh, <laughs> Orlando, Orlando Magic Twitter is awful. You love Orlando Magic Twitter, don't you? No, last year they were even saying like it, would, it was Orlando Magic Twitter saying that Jalen Green was better than Scotty Barnes. It wasn't even like Rockets fans. So no, I, they they I hate Scotty Barnes. Yeah, they hate Scotty Barnes, man. I've seen so much hate. Most of the hate I see on Scotty Barnes is from Orlando Magic fans. It's not from Detroit fans. It's not from Houston fans. It's always Orlando Magic. I don't know why. I think yeah, it's a Suggs, it's, I guess, but it's probably Suggs. But also, Suggs has turned out to be a good role player. So I don't really know why. They're so bad about that still. Zolfi, I know you definitely have a lot of thoughts on this one. Uh, I don't want to be the the well-actually nerd, but uh, the article said that <laughs> it's not just based on future potential. It's also based on current play. That's why these rankings are kind of the way they are for the okay. most part. So uh, I, I think that Wembenyama being higher is a bit of a stretch based on just he's starting, so it's hard to stick him up there yet we still need to see i I think he's going to be durable long term but i think it's going to be a wait and see approach at least for a little bit uh i think yeah i think tyrese halliburton is completely being like favored just because of the guys below him having their other issues Kate cunningham hasn't been healthy i probably put him over there uh, above uh, tyrese halliburton if he played a full season last year like he's playing now john morant and zion williamson if they didn't have their off-court issues and zion's health would easily surpassed Harry's Halliburton, in my opinion, on this list, based on potential and based on the production. Now, the other guys, like, I think uh, you can debate Darius Garland, the mellow ball. I would probably still take Tyrese over them. So I think Tyrese is the name that I think drops the most here for being realistic. It's crazy to think Jaron Jackson Jr. is low and probably should be lower, even like the defensive player of the year, the reigning defensive player of the year, which is just so much how little people actually think of that uh, award for him and what it meant. 
And um, I agree with uh, Spencer. Alperen Sengun, way too low. He's averaging 18, 8, and 7. I know Dan doesn't like him. I don't. Com- I actually just don't understand why. Uh, he's productive. He's a winning basketball player, and he's helping their defense. Their defense is middle of the pack right now, which you probably couldn't have said. And obviously, Dylan Brooks and Fred play a role into that, but that's what Sengun has been uh, criticized for, and he's doing it with Jabari Smith in the front court, and he's playing really well. Like I can't think of many other guys who are averaging 18, 8, and 7 at the bottom of that list. So I think he should be higher. Poor Zolfi, his microphone. <laughs> he is struggling right now. <laughs> Shengun has been though. has been better, man. I mm-hmm. I will admit he's been better, hundred yeah. percent. Definitely. I think I think for me, uh, where this list gets weird is that end of the list. Like Jalen Duran, I really like. I just have not really seen much, really recently out of him for him to be higher than people like. Tyler Hero and Sangoon and Hero I'm also going to give a shout out to because we haven't really talked about Miami since the start of the season Tyler Hero has come out and looked like that third guy and he's exactly what they needed and he's averaging by far and away like a lot more than I was expecting out of him so I I want to give him a little bit of respect I think he should be a little bit higher on here because I think maybe we're all a little bit too harsh on Mr. Tyler Hero after all who gets their own song and is not good in the NBA, right? Am I right? That's totally, totally, definitely. I'm taking Duran over Hero. You're taking Duran over Hero. I've never hated on Hero. I've always thought the hate was so forced, just because he has like a big personality and stuff, and he's on the Heat. Like, yeah, he's had maybe a few moments that you can probably laugh at, but like, he's a good player. Like, bad players don't average what he averages. So, ah, I don't know. I, I'm not a fan that. of the forced hate. All right, Salfie. <laughs> Jordan Clarkson has averaged the same numbers. No, as there, there, Jordan Poole has averaged the same numbers as him. There's like a million there's definitely heroes in the league. Empty stats that it, 25 points, five rebounds, five assists, bro. That's pretty solid, man. As a third option, Bradley Beal off the top of my head, and he's not a positive player when he was on the Wizards. I can name you a million players that play like Tyler Hero. That are em- empty stats exist. 100 empty stats exist. I don't think his stats are empty. Why not? Because I think he's actually a contributing player. Zolfi is playing the role of instigator they, right now. They went to the Can finals I... and he was hurt. They did. They barely missed a beat without him. It, but that's the same thing as when we were saying uh, that we wouldn't be better if Jamal Murray wasn't on the team. Was on the team. Of course, we'd be better if you had an, a better player than someone else who's playing. Of course, it'd improve it. They might have won for all we know. That's a like you can't really say whether or not. Uh, he didn't help or something you know I'm what i'm saying, saying like he can't produce but i'm also saying i think it's also as just as likely that they get bounced out in the first round if he was playing he's a pretty much a minus most times on defense and i'm not saying he's not bad but if you're talking about future potential in a player i'm with spencer i take jalen duran he's averaging 14 and 11 right now he's not, oh, I'm not talking future potential well I, that's what I, I, i'm going based off this list that's what we're talking about i was talking just in general people hating on him not not what this list is yeah we gotta yell at jake for that one Dad, don't put the instigator role on me. For once, I was not being the instigator. That's true. All I'm, say- all I'm saying is there's a million Tyler heroes in the NBA. And I don't think they should all be hated on just because they may have similar roles is all I'm saying. Dan yeah, is standing yeah. up for shot chuckers and he's putting his foot down. Bro, I don't think he's a horrible he's, player like I see people hating on. <laughs> you took the bait, Dan. That was Spencer was laying that out for you and you took that immediately. <laughs> 
He's not even, like Jalen Green's a shot checker, and he's on this list, so whatever. Yeah, Jalen Green's too high. Like he should way be below Shangun. I yeah, I don't even think he should be on this list. To be honest, I'm gonna say it. I don't like Jalen Green. I he has had th- how many years now to prove that he's better than he is, and he's like literally borderline fourth option on that team now. If you're not the guy on Houston when you had all that time to do it, and they brought in other guys for you to be better, I'm sorry, I'm not gonna give him the respect. <laughs> he's just he's been borderline bad. He's like, also, am I wrong? He's a, he's a third year guy too, same year as Scotty. Like, I, your points are completely valid, but I think we can't like completely write him off yet. But ironically, I think his ceiling is also a Tyler Hero, so another guy who can kind of put up stats, probably contribute on a good team. But do you really want to build a franchise around him? No. But we have said on this podcast before that year three is kind of when players start to put it all together. What has he put together? Questionable videos. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> I don't think I could say it anything better than that. Do we want to move on from this list? I don't think. I, the more I look at it, the more I just get annoyed that Scotty Barnes is placed at 15. So I think it's. I think we should move on, shall we? Yeah, he should be top 10. He's like, whatever. This came out after the two weeks Scotty Barnes had. Like, this came out after that comeback. I just... Yeah, I, oh, whoever does, he wouldn't be on the list. Honestly, you're probably right about that. I feel honestly, like I, there's no chance. He was on some list last year. Uh, God. Okay, let's move into winners and losers to close out this podcast. Like we did last week, we picked some winners, some losers. Does not have to be teams. Does not have to be players. It could be whatever you thought from the week. Could be maybe a tournament. Could be maybe a player. Could be a ref. Who knows? Want to shout out a ref on this podcast? Anyone? Anyone? No. No? Okay. Daniel, give me a loser. Let's start negative because there's been some negativity around some teams or something. Give me a give me a name. So I was actually going to have them as my losers, but I'd like to change it. I'm going to have them as my winners. Okay. Because, well, they have the worst record in the league and things are looking horrible. And, uh... You know, I think most people are down on them. You know, they're franchise player. I don't even know when he's coming back. I think, what, like a month or two still at least. Uh, but you know what? I'm going to put them as winners because they got their first win. Wow. Memphis Grizzlies, now 1-6, got their first win this week. So guess what? They are now winners, and it's only up from here. So those are my that's my winner of the week because it's only up from here. You can't get much lower than they were, so... Well, maybe you could, actually. But I feel like they might. <laughs> you might go lower than this. But for now, it looked so bleak. They finally got a win. Take a breath now. Just one game at a time. So those it, are my winners of the week. It was so bad that Marcus Smart literally had the fell to my knees in a Walmart meme happen to him <laughs> in the middle of the game. He just yeah. fell down crying, which, to be fair... He has been on a winning team in a playoffs his entire career, so this has probably been a massive shell shock moment for him. And no disrespect to Marcus Smart, whatever. You're allowed to show emotions in sports. But, oh my God, they have been really rough to watch. And it sucks because they have how many of the best like defensive prospects, or so we thought with Jaron Jackson Jr., but Desmond Bain is really good on defense. Like They just they're having such a rough start to the season. So it was nice to see them get that win, and hopefully they are able to build off of that. Because I do like this this Grizzlies team I think they are fun to watch just right now they're just not really clicking yeah 
winners. But, but good on you for making them winners, I guess. It's a bit more of a positivity spin to it. Yeah, yeah nice outlook. I'm going to get my winner. Let, let's let's keep talking about winners, shall we? What more than we talk about shot chuckers? Is there more of an effective shot chucker in the league right now than Cam Thomas? I, I dare you to name me anyone better than the way that Cam Thomas has been producing for the Nets because this guy last year was getting DNPs after coming in for relief, playing some occasional starter minutes, and just consistently hitting bucket after bucket after bucket. And what has Cam Thomas done this year aside from playing some of the most minutes on his team? Well, he just got 45 points against the Bucks. He is currently averaging a ridiculous 28.7 points per game with four rebounds a game, near 50% clip, 85% from the free throw, and he currently has only been under 20 points since the season opener once, twice. So I love Cam Thomas. I think he's a really fun shooter to watch and play. I got him in my fantasy team, one of my other fantasy leagues. So I'm happy about that. I got him for free. No one picked him up. And he's just been an absolute baller. And I think that's really good. And it's really good on him to recover from those DNPs and just come out and play some straight up hoops. So he's my winner this week. He's got to be in the MIP race. He went from averaging like 11 or 14, something like that last season in the few games he did play to averaging nearly 30. If Obviously, that may not be sustainable, but if it is, that's got to be one of the biggest leaps we've seen in like league history at this point. And uh, granted, the 45 points was against the Bucks, and we don't need to talk about them, but their defense is so bad. Yeah. They actually finally changed something with their defensive scheme, but uh, Damian Lillard is literally a pylon on defense, so... Good on Cam Thomas for taking advantage of that. But yeah, you're right, man. He is just a shot chucker. He is the prototypical, just give me the ball, green light, I will shoot everything in front of me. And he's making it right now. So I think that is just so much fun to watch as a a Nets fan. Is this year's MIP race going to be like some of the closest MIPs that we've seen in a long time? Because at the top of my head right now, it's a two-horse race between Scotty and Tyrese Maxey, but it feels like there's a lot of more fringe guys like Cam Thomas that are making a name for themselves to come out here and be like, this might be a legitimate MIP race this year. I think I it's think like... Tyrese Halliburton also deserves a shout. Yeah, but he's been an all-star. I don't want to see that happen. We've had this discussion on this podcast before. All-stars making MIP, I don't... Unless it's an MP, MVP jump... I don't. I don't really think MIP should be given to all stars. I think that's a, to, what I was going to say. Was this convert? This race is going to make this conversation even louder about like how do you like reward MIP? Because you're going to have a Scotty and a Maxi who like maybe you didn't expect them to take this leap. I know some of us did, and some of us did, but you kind of do expect a leap to happen. You know the potential for these guys versus a Cam Thomas or I keep bringing up Jalen Johnson with the Hawks, who's averaging like. 15 points after averaging like nine or eight the year before and being a real contributor like do you give it to those guys who you didn't really expect much of in terms of growth but they're showing it and they're contributing to winning basketball so like we've always had that conversation debate how mip should go and i think this year to your point jake the race is going to make it so much more of a conversation where we're really going to have to like voters are really going to have to think about like how are we going to like award somebody this title yeah why don't you give me your winner or loser of the week Sophie? 
I'm. It's funny because I, I was gonna say this is just a winner, but I'm probably gonna I'm gonna freestyle like Dan and say this is a winner slash loser because uh, the in season tournament is a winner because the games were entertaining. People enjoyed them. The games were close. You had a Steph Curry game winner. Granted, there was that really weird like call of a goal 10, not goal 10, and that kind of took away some of the luster from it. But the games were exciting, and they were good to watch, which is kind of what you want. And some of the players even said it post-game how like they felt like there was a different era of competitiveness. It felt like it was different than a regular game, which is what you want uh, out of these players. You want them to take it like it's something special. And I think just like the fanfare of it all was what the NBA hoped for, which is which is a win. Uh, the loser is uh, the presentation still needs a bit of work. The courts, I don't know if they're the best for broadcast. They're a little hard on the eyes and a little hard for some people to see. Uh, I know some of like the graphics and boards and stuff around it weren't working the best. And the main reason why I made it a loser was a. Uh, a lot of like league, uh, te- like team officials and like uh, a- uh, analyst departments are complaining to the league. So they have like this like camera tracking system. I think it's called like Hawkeye or something that tracks analytics, data and stuff like that. And the courts and the colors are like messing with the cameras so they can't properly track like analytics and stats off of it. So like all these like nerds in every department, every team are basically like, yo, we can't get the analytics we need. We can't properly get uh, scouting reports and whatnot because of these freakish looking courts and these colors and the cameras aren't able to work, which I find hilarious. But uh, I think, yeah, so it's a winner because the games are good. It's a loser because they, the courts might be a bit of a miss. Sophie, you're attacking everyone. You're tinting the nerds now, too? What are you doing, man? Hey, man, I, I love the nerds, but it's kind of funny that they're all going after the league being like, we need the courts fixed so we can get our numbers in. I like the league uh, choosing to like really go outside of the box on this. I do agree, though. The execution has not been great. I saw someone... Uh, give an idea that they should have done retro courts then that yeah. would have been so cool man did you have you guys seen those mock-ups that they're all over twitter yeah it they're should so have been sick. the direction 100 should have been the direction over this because the blue the red oh my god it's really hard to look at and i i'm gonna preface this as well i i'll take my my medicine with this one because i was very negative about the in-season tournament we had a discussion on a podcast earlier when it first got announced me and dan went on it went at it with each other that i didn't think it was going to be good i didn't think players were going to be really playing and we'll come and see later down the stretch if it actually happens i was pleasantly surprised watching it on friday i thought that the basketball was really good it was a lot of close games the matchups were pretty good and if it continues like this, why not? It, it clearly differentiates itself from regular season. Now, at the end of the day, really what this is, is still a regular season game. And I think at one point we'll get that differential later on when they test what they play with stuff. There's been a lot of people saying maybe that we, there could be a play, a buy for the playoffs. Maybe you can make the playoffs when you win this tournament as an, as a reward to incentivize a little bit more. But I think at, at the face value at the core, this doesn't necessarily ever hurt the league because they're trying new things. It has no negative repercussions whatsoever on the product itself, aside from let's test some things, let's do it. And you know what? I thought it was good. I thought it was all right. Ugly jerseys and ugly courts aside, I thought it was an okay an okay time. So I'm willing to take my lumps on that one there. Yeah, yeah courts it's, do it's exciting. <laughs> the courts are really they bad, do. man. They're really bad. Who designed those? I could design a better court. Uh, they look like uh, my my team courts in 2K when like those first years and you can start to make your own and everyone just had like the solid colored courts. <laughs> That's just what I see every time. 
it's just got this huge chunk of different color down the middle of it. And I want to quickly talk about JJ also roasting the Clippers. The Clippers catching an absolute stray for no reason because they have a trophy in the middle of it. And he he was like, well, why do the Clippers have a trophy in the middle of theirs when they've never won anything? And Clippers fans everywhere probably just cried when they heard that. JJ Reddick said that? JJ yeah, Reddick did say that, which that is a little ironic. Yeah, it, it, that's true. Richard Jeffers immediately went, weren't you a part of that? <laughs> <laughs> I love their chemistry also. The two of them together have been really fun on broadcasts. Uh, Zelfi, how's Doc Rivers been for you? I want to know. I just actively don't listen to him. I just <laughs> try my best not to hear it. I'm genuinely not even kidding. I don't think I've watched a single broadcast with Doc on it. And I'm glad that's been the case. So I will be nice to him and just say I'm indifferent on his broadcasting skills. <laughs> okay. Uh, Spencer, do you want to wrap us up here? Yeah, I actually am going to also call an audible. Um, winner, no one wants to hear the winner. No one cares. My loser was going to be the Kings because they went 0-3 again. Nobody cares. I'm switching it up. You said no one wants to call out refs. I want to call out some refs. All right. The loser of the week was the officiating crew in the Spurs-Raptors game. That call at the end of the game with Siakam's foot, they're both going for a loose ball. They review it, and then they still go on the mic in front of the whole world. You know how many people are watching in Europe? These NBA refs go on the mic and say there was foot contact and that the call is upheld. Never seen anything like it. It was a terrible call. Easy loser of the week for me. It was a bad call. It was a bad call. I don't think there's any other way you can say it. It just was a bad call. You know yeah. what? I think Pascal actually, for no, I'm kidding. It was a terrible call. Uh, foot contact is the dumbest like verbiage I've ever heard. Yeah, foot yeah, like, contact? They're going for a loose ball. It's about to go out of bounds. Like Obviously, there's going to be some, court, some sort of like accidental contact. Like No guy initiated any form of contact on that play and like i was watching a replay and i was just like so certain they're gonna overturn it and then i had to listen to that so that was fun i think that would have been more of a point of contact if they ended up losing that game so thankfully they didn't end up yeah. losing it but ball don't lie in that situation uh how are you guys feeling feeling good feeling like this is a good place to end our chat for the week Feeling good, feeling great. Feeling great. Good to see you again, Dan. See you in another two weeks. See you next week. Hopefully. Hopefully we can see you next week. We'd love to see that. That is going to wrap it up for our episode here. If you guys did enjoy that and enjoy Zulfi's sputtering mic, we promise we will fix this for next week. Uh, Make sure to follow us on Apple, Spotify. We're on both of those there. Whichever one you're listening to, go to the other one. Rate us five stars. Follow us on that. Leave us a review. Do all of that jazz. If you want to interact with us on social media and see how our fantasy responses have been for the weeks, because we are going to be posting every single week how our fantasy dream teams have been doing. So go there. Look and see that. Follow us on Twitter at dream underscore team pod as well on Instagram at dream underscore team underscore pod. If you want to follow me as well, you can follow me at Jake underscore Schultz six on Twitter. Zolfi, where can they find you? Uh, before that, now that Jay, uh, now that Dan is here, I get to react to the poll. I won. I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> Let's do that I next that week. Poll. Let's do that next. Yeah, week. no, we're not doing that this week. We Wait, can do not, that next it's week. Not a full we can... reaction. It's not no, a full reaction. No, it's okay. We, we can I do won. that next week. Just uh, just tell them where they where they can find you. We don't need to talk about that. This it's week. a rigged election. 
you can find me at Zofi underscore shake on Twitter, Instagram, and yes, that is the Zofi shake that won the Dream Team poll. Just putting that up. Spencer? Uh, I want to actually use my mic time, so follow our Twitter, and listen, if you made it this far in the podcast, and you follow our Twitter, and I see that, I will follow you back. Remember Aww. that right now. And I, cause I was supposed to follow a bunch of people. I still haven't done it yet. So remember that if you're listening right now and you follow, you will get a follow back. Daniel. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Raptors vision. I will follow you back too. I follow everyone back, especially if I see that you're basketball related. Uh, so yeah, give me a follow at Raptors vision, not biased at all. I will not follow you back, but that is going to wrap it up for the episode. Thanks for listening, guys. Catch you in the next one.